to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, yes, you, in the game. After an off-season hiatus, broken promises and unavailable studios, half of the band is back together. We'll bring you free agency, roster moves, contracts, cuts, and combine. And there's been loads of other stuff going on in the NFL. I'm so excited! This could go on for a long time. Basically, that's all we've been doing uh, for the last <laughs> for month, month. For the last <laughs> month or so. So, listen, guys. This is the Gridiron Show. Uh, Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, yes, you, yes, you out there in the game. They're still doing it. Um, you can do some off-season stuff. You can go and see basketball, MLS, whatever. Baseball's coming up. You can go and see it with Big Bad Ben. He's not bad, but he is big. Uh, and the guys at Touchdown Trips. But, Willie, where have you been? Well, we basically, we've been doing this for six years across, nearly six years, five and a half years, yeah. across the old guys of Tuesday Morning Football and now with uh, the Gridiron Show. And, uh, you know, we we get a... Now that we've started doing stuff with Gridiron, there's obviously, you know, the, the stuff with Touchdown Trips helps us with our travel to the Super Bowl and stuff like that. But essentially we do this for free mostly and we love doing it and we love spending our time doing it um but you know we got back from the super bowl and it was a little bit like let's just take a month off i know a lot and it ended up being a ridiculous month i thought about just writing a script of all the stuff that's happened since we left the super bowl whether it be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's huge contract whether it be Josh McDaniels turning down the Colts job yep. and Frank Reich taking the Colts job whether it be uh, all the free agency stuff all the, like this uh, the trades galore already this is going to be such a trade heavy free agency period there's just basically over the next month building up to and including uh, up to the draft at the end of April the next month two months there's going to be so much for us to talk about that there really is no point in us raking over too many of the old coals and going going back and and talking about all the various talking points but well, it's been done um it's been done yeah you've uh-huh. heard of the people do it and um i but you know what? i've barely even listened to nfl podcasts this month i've just i've kept up with the news of the league but yeah. mostly i've um mostly i've kind of recused myself from uh, from the nfl over most of the last month and just just chilled out which i can't do as of tomorrow why? Because um, tomorrow, this is going to be so much fun. Well, no, no. I, let's, uh, let, let's just uh, let's just say we're recording on Friday, the 9th of March. So we are. You know, it's been it's been a it's been a good run, four and a bit weeks. But... Good run. I thought good run. I thought you were going to say like it's a good run, but I'm done. No, no, no. We're not done. We're not done. But <laughs> our 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 off season is done. But we're back. Yeah, we are back. And we've got a great show coming up. We're going to talk about... We've done no prep for this show at all, so we're going to talk about some stuff. And then later on in the show, with everything that's happening with the Seahawks, we're going to hear from former Seahawks wide receiver Ricardo Loquette. You may remember him from such Super Bowl victories as Super Bowl 48, such Super Bowl defeats 
as Super Bowl 47. Such Super Bowl defeats as Super Bowl 49. He is a multiple-time Super Bowl appearance maker. He has been involved in plays, including being the receiver who was meant to catch the ball on the line when Malcolm Butler intercepted it. And um, he was a really interesting character and a really interesting guy to chat to. So we're going to hear from him. And we're going to hear from Chargers defensive end Melvin Ingram, who joined us at the Super Bowl uh, and is heading out to London this year. So it is, you know, it's going to be a good show. If you have... Can I now tell people what I'm doing tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Go on, go on, go on, go on. So tomorrow, Saturday the 10th of March, to date it, apologies I didn't previously, Ollie. No, I mean, I, th- I thought it was correct, because we could be recording this at any point. I mean, we could That's, be anyway. You're, abs- you're absolutely right. I mean, you're, you're, you're right, and when you're right, you're right. I will just say, to prove and you, that, you're, you're always, always right. right. To prove that we are not just recording this whenever and putting it straight out, uh, a bit of news from yesterday. Terry and Matthew asked by the Cardinals to pay, take a pay cut. I mean... I wouldn't have been able in the past be able to to predict that in the future necessarily. Uh, I mean, I could have probably told going, you that was exactly what they were going to ask. Akeem Talib is going to the Rams. Uh, yeah, that's so, massive. We'll talk about the Rams cornerback situation and we'll talk about the Rams linebacker situation and we'll talk about the yeah. Seahawks and, you know, there's loads of different bits, and, bits and pieces to get into. What we should maybe do, let's do a few bits of news in this show and then maybe in the show to start next week, we ask people what they want us to talk about. We do a bit of a, a mailbag show. Before we start to get really deep into the draft and stuff like that, just because... Sure. There's so there's too much to talk about when you take four or five weeks off. And but you know the main thing I want to know. Mm-hmm. What are you doing tomorrow? So tomorrow, <laughs> the tenth of March, uh, from midday right through until about five p.m., right. I am hosting the Madden 18 UK Finals. Oh, wow. uh, you'll be able to watch it on the EA and belong by game who are you know game the game video game stores yeah yeah um they've started putting like esports arenas into some of their shops and they've now been half bought out by sports direct and sports direct are now putting esports arenas. you can actually hire out these venues and go and you know do an evening of if you wanted to go and do a madden tournament with your mates you could go and hire out this room full of uh, computers and set up a you know, massive group and do it like that um, and so they've you know, they've whittled down to the, the best eight Madden players in the country from regional competitions and then tomorrow we're going to have the quarterfinals semi-final and final it'll be on Facebook live it'll be on Twitch and yeah I'm presenting it and it's going to be really good fun oh mate that's um, that's great so yeah that's why I have yeah, to be back into NFL, of that, but... whether I like to or not uh, Geek Watch! Uh, yeah, Geek Watch. But, you know, have a great time. Thanks, mate. I think it's going to be a fun. general celebration note. No, Geek Watch. Gig Watch, geek. right, okay. Geek! Oh, Geek. Geek I thought Watch. You were saying it was a gig that I had. No, Geek Watch. These people aren't geeks, Holly. They take it very, very seriously. No, I mean, I'm, come on, they are geeks. I mind you to do the same. All right, mate. Well. <laughs> just, just, because, just because you're getting a bit of shilling to promote it on our podcast, buddy. No wonder uh, not, we're back. Not, no, not, not getting any shilling to no promote No wonder we're back recording. No wonder. Uh, oh, you have I'm, something to plug. This is yes. disgraceful. The Triple B has started already. <laughs> Unbelievable. Guess what I'm being... Guess what I'm being, um, guess, guess what I'm being uh, like, touted as on the coverage. Um, NFL... NFL, not expert. 
wouldn't be that. Um, not talk sports and uh, professional wing eater. Talk sports, Will Gavin. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> At least it's not. They didn't get you confused with a different overnight presenter. Oh, I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so we've got those chats coming up. Uh, but Ollie, how have you well, been for the last month or so? Where's my invite to this? I mean, it's not really my place to invite anyone. Why to didn't it. you invite me? Well, it's not why, my why place. Why is that to part do... of the contract? I mean, if the, it's if like the Will NFL and, and Deck, it's, yeah, it's no. Will and Ollie. I mean, we're not. There's one thing I'm sure of. We're not like Anton Deck. I would definitely be the one that would go into rehab. I didn't... Well, what? I didn't know either of them would be into rehab. Yeah. Ant has. Or Deck. No, wait. Maybe both. Do you want to know what the other really good news from the last five weeks is? Uh, go on. Uh, Simon Clancy got a new job. Yes. Yeah. And it means Simon Clancy can start coming back on the show again. I can't explain why that was previously an issue, um, and because uh, he can come, because he can come back on the show again. We've got our draft expert back, which is great, which everybody needs. The, yeah, it means that uh, we can do as little amount of work as possible on the draft and just, just you know, lob it up to him to knock it out of the park, which he regularly does. Hundred percent. I'm glad that he's back. I'm glad. I love the Clansonator. Sir Clancelot. Sir Clancelot, Clancinio. Um, to answer your question, I've been fine. You and I have spent, even though uh, we haven't done any podcasts, we've spent an awful lot of time together, which has been great. I've enjoyed it. Some would say too much. Uh, your wife definitely would say too much. I mean, it, not as much as it was when we were sharing a hotel room, admittedly, in, in Minneapolis, but... Uh, still too much time. So yeah, I you know the, the the past five weeks have been good. I've been able not to really uh, where I've kind of taken a step back, like you, not really listening to any podcasts, NFL podcasts. Uh, I've taken a, a, a step back as well from the NFL, but I've also taken a step back from football. So <laughs> I don't really know anything about any sport at the moment. I've just, you know the last week or so I've been getting myself slowly back into the NFL and some of the roster moves and the cuts and the trades and the contracts have just been I mean it's been really fascinating. Considering you're the executive producer of the Cat Noon show on TalkSport 2, surely you've had to follow the uh, the NFL at least once a week. Yeah, that's true. I have actually I hadn't thought about that. But it's yeah. more, yeah. Okay. I was I was completely relying on you to drive this whole conversation today, because I have done no preparation whatsoever. I mean, there are this... there, there are quite a few things that we can talk about. I, it's it's been a, the last twenty four hours, especially, have been ridiculous. The, the, what what the things that have been going on with the Seahawks are they're insane. Michael Bennett being traded to the Eagles in exchange for a seventh round pick and wide receiver Marcus Johnson who I don't actually remember as part of the Eagles uh, as part of the Eagles roster this season um, it's always been Aguilar and uh, Jeffrey and Ertz etc uh, and then Richard Sherman who looks like he's not going to be a Seahawk he's said his goodbyes where's he going to land if he'll land anywhere coming off I, I, back off I, the, I still... uh, an injury so what's going on I still think there's a chance he does end up back in Seattle. The whole point is is that he is due to be earning $11 million yeah. this year, having had surgery on both of his Achilles, and there's no way that they were willing to pay that. So essentially they're going to cut him, let him go and test the market. There'll probably be somebody willing to pay him more than the Seahawks, but if, if he's willing to kind of come back to the Seahawks for a deal worth half that, 
like five, six million dollars a year, which you'd argue at this point in his career with those injuries is probably closer to his actual worth, then I wouldn't be that surprised if he ended up back in Seattle. But there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of teams who would be willing to take the risk on a guy who was a great perimeter corner, one of the very best in the league uh, over kind of a three or four year period, that somebody might be willing to pay him more like eight, nine, ten million, even if on like an Alshon Jeffrey style one year prove it deal. Mm. Um, and that there, so if he's if he's going out there looking for money, I think he'll find it. And at his age, I don't, I wouldn't blame him for that whatsoever. But I wouldn't be completely shocked if he ended up back at the Seahawks. But it is, it's fascinating. It's a trade, uh, particularly when he talks about the the Bennett trade. I think it's fascinating for a couple of points. Start just to talk about the Eagles first and foremost, what it does for them, because what you've got now is you've got Vinnie Curry is going to be departing. Uh, Bo Allen, who's their second string defensive tackle, is going to be departing. But, of course, they rotate that front four constantly. So, Bo Allen took a lot of snaps last year. You're bringing in a guy who can play both positions and actually isn't earning that much money next year. Five and a half million, I think it is. Mm. Uh, So, I think it's a really, really good deal for Philadelphia. And he kind of, he really suits the mold of what they do as well. And I think he suits that locker room. And it feels like a really good trade from their end. And then from the Seahawks' perspective, because he can play inside and outside, of course, Michael Bennett. And then from the Seahawks' perspective, you're looking at you're losing now Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman. Uh, you probably losing Cliff Averill to uh, to injury as well, because there was the talk from Pete Carroll that there's a chance that he won't return next year. You're probably potentially losing Earl Thomas as well for the same reason. Um, Cam Chancellor. Going- uh, uh, is it El Thomas or Cam Chancellor they're going to be losing? Did I mean Cam Chancellor? I, think you mean I meant Cam, Cam Chancellor. Chancellor. I did mean Cam Chancellor. They're bringing back Earl Thomas. Uh, Cam, um, Cam, probably. Uh, Cam, who, you know, I'm personal conversation with Cam. Uh, KC, as you call KC, him. KC, uh, Cam Dog. He's been dealing with neck injuries. So, Cam Alama Ding Dog. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's, there's so much going on in that Seahawks defence. It's it, it's kind of fascinating that they are blowing it up from top to bottom because they brought in Brian Schottenheimer, Ken Norton Jr. So they've re-upped on the coaching and changed that up. Um, it's it's not quite to the level of the change in San Francisco when basically half the team retired in one season because you felt like San Francisco, outside of Navarro Bowman, who was coming off a horrendous injury, lost their three or four best players. They lost Justin Smith. They lost... Um, Patrick Willis they lost uh, the young middle linebacker who had the incredible first year whose name now completely escapes me uh, Chris Borland um, you know they, they I knew you'd get there by the way yeah, I just thanks, wanted mate. you to get there on your own um, but the, the difference is is that they're still going to be keeping those linebackers they're still going to be keeping Bobby Wagner and likely KJ Wright in place and I think they'll build around those guys um, so I don't think it will be people are looking at the drop off of the talent and they're thinking oh this could be a real problem for them it, this happens with teams the, the, the Seahawks defense has been like the top ranked defense in scoring and yardage a majority of the last five years good defenses don't normally last a couple of years even the great defenses the bears were good in 84 brilliant in 85 amazing in 86 then dropped off uh the ravens they went and won the super bowl with their defense but two years later were struggling like they have had a really high level of play for five years so we probably should have seen this coming i think just 
when you've got used to something being there for five years, it's kind of surprising for it to all happen so quickly. But you've got things to consider, like when they first brought that team together, when they first signed a player like Cliff Averill on a big free agent contract, <gasps> they were paying Russell Wilson about $3 million mm. a year at that point. So there were areas in which they were saving so much money that they could afford to do that. I do think that this is arguably the weakest roster in the NFC West right now. I do think it's the arguably the weakest. <laughs> no, it, it's the weakest roster in the NFC right now. NFC West. NFC West. I must, must preface that. Um, uh, Depends we'll, on what Arizona do at quarterback because yeah. Russell Wilson is a difference maker even on a bad team. But I think... Well, if there's an argument. The Seahawks say, don't draft really well. Don't have three or four impact starters in the draft, or don't go out and spend some of the cap that they're going to be freeing up from these players uh, really well in free agency. Then, don't be that surprised if the Seahawks finish fourth in the NFC West this season. It's, al- but- it's almost like they're restarting, and it, it, it's an interesting ploy by Pete Carroll. This kind of this max mass exodus and we'll get onto the rams who have been pretty much signing everybody but a player who has who blew up the combine shaquem griffin his brother plays uh, for the seahawks shaquille griffin and the way that Shaquille by, by the way oi griffin family because they're twin brothers yeah you've got twin brothers called shaq griffin and shaq griffin come on you've got to be more more creative than that keem and keel that's what they'll be called but I think um, <laughs> that's very good. Thanks. Good I, from you. I think uh, I, I th- the way that he performed in that it's uh, in that combine uh, bench pressing two hundred twenty-five pounds for twenty reps with a prosthetic hand, running the fastest forty dash by a linebacker for twenty-five years or, or fifteen years, I think it was uh, four thirty-eight. Really blew up the combine. Fantastic personality. His his draft stock of of course. Rose, they, they, you know, you, you could conceivably imagine that Pete Carroll would want want to foster some sort of good relationships uh, and and have a really good locker room with bringing someone like Shaquem Griffin in. And it, it, if it's going to be a fourth or fifth rounder, he's going to be cheap. You know, you know that uh, he has the pedigree when it cons- when you c- when it comes to his brother as well. I think that could be sub- could be something that could happen down the line. What do you think? Here's the other thing that they have to be very careful of, and, and admittedly they are trading players at the moment anyway. But Seattle, outside of not having a um, outside of the, the consideration of compensatory picks. Uh, and I don't, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't paid enough attention to their potential compensatory picks to tell you whether or not they've got any coming up. They pick at 18. They don't pick again because they trade, their second round pick is with, uh, I think no, the third round picks with Houston, their second round pick is with somebody as well. So they don't pick again until the fourth round. So <sighs> oh yeah, the Jets have their second round pick. Yeah, I, I'm going to be stunned if, if Seattle are a good team this coming year. Um, it would take something very, very special. I mean, Russell Wilson would have to be absolutely ridiculous. So there you go. Uh, so we've talked about the exodus, the potential exodus at the Seahawks. What about the LA Rams? Do you want to, do you want to hear from Ricardo Lockett while oh, we're let's talking? Do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's hear from Lockett, Lockett, Ricardo, Ricky. Let's hear from him. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we spoke to him at the Super Bowl, former Seahawks wide receiver. Uh, really good fun, actually. Um, uh, Ricardo Lockett. You've had me saying Lockett now. Lockett joining the Gridiron Show uh, on Radio Row. What I particularly love uh, about what's just happened is that Ricardo Lockett has come and sat with us at Radio Row and immediately put on Nat Coombs' baller, super expensive headphones yeah. instead of the ones we've been giving to everyone else. Because he just knew. He, he, I know he looked at it and went, those are the ones I'm using. Yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> uh, Ricardo Lockett, Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, joining us now on uh, Radio Row. Uh, Ricardo, how you doing, man? How are you enjoying Minneapolis? I'm doing great, man. I get a chance to talk to you guys, man. I get a chance to talk to you guys and talk about what we're doing with, with the Harvard study and making football better. And We're enjoying the Super Bowl. Where, where else would we rather be right now? You've, you've done two of them as a player what's it like three of them as a player sorry oh my god he has done three of them as a player <laughs> this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened I'm off I'll see you later uh, <laughs> I, just, I don't even know where to go from there uh, you did three of them as a player how, how different is it coming here now and, and uh, doing stuff now that you, you finished playing I was just talking about that because uh, a lot of the guys that are playing like Alshon LeGarrette uh, Malcolm Butler I played with all of these guys so now it's like shaking their hands and uh, they see me walking around with like a press pass and doing interviews and asking them questions with my cell phone and stuff so it's a little different it's a little different but um, I think it's something I can get I can get adjust it to and uh, make the best of how tight is your grip when you shake Malcolm Butler's hand <laughs> I told you this was going to be the best one yet. (laughs) (laughs) Malcolm Butler, he's a a cool guy. You know what? The next year, uh, we actually went out. Uh, We had a good time. We went out and partied together. We took the same Uber, and we sat in the same section. And, you know, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a game. And uh, he he had dreams of winning the Super Bowl just like I had dreams of winning the Super Bowl. So uh, he made a great play, and he came out victorious. But... You know, once the once the game's over, it's over. You know, we enjoy it. Not surprised they shared an Uber. Malcolm Butler has no issue getting tight on this guy. That's Absolutely. the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't worry, you won one as well, so right, it's, right, it's right, fine. Right. You've still got that ring. No doubt. <laughs> on no your doubt. finger. Uh, what for the players? For the guy who's been back three times and, and done it. You say those guys that you've spoken to. Have you spoke to? I mean, Lagarde's been in here and done it himself. But someone like Alshon. What advice do you give him to how to treat this week, how to react to this week, and, and the different pressures to this game compared with any other? Uh, well, first of all, you, you, you approach it just like every game. You approach it just like it's a regular game. Because once you come in with the, uh, with the, with the mind frame that this is something different, then you start to play different. And that's not what got you here. You do, you do what got you here. Uh, so I think the team that settles in first and the ones that that, that doesn't make that makes the least mistakes is the one that's going to be victorious because a lot the Patriots what they have over a lot of people's experience last year the Falcons went down and they got excited the Patriots stayed the same they stayed mellow the whole way through so the Eagles could come out with the excitement and all oh, this is our first time being here a lot of guys but they're going to stay mellow they're going to play 60 minutes so if they can get into that, we're going to play 60 minutes early, I think they have a better chance of beating the Patriots. How, obviously, had very contrasting experiences with, with the Super Bowls, particularly the close ones at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking on kind of that last drive of, of, the, of the Seattle Patriots one. Is it just another game at that point? Or are you, are you able to compartmentalise it when it's coming down to the final drive right at the end of the game? I have to say no. Uh, it's all on the line. You know, uh, you grew up in the yard, you know, all right, 
you know, you pick teams and like, oh, this is this is the last play. This is the Super Bowl winning catch. Like, you know, you grow up doing that. And then, you know, when, when it becomes real, it's kind of hard for me to say uh, just approach it like a regular because it's not. Uh, and losing that, I think, I think, I think it it, it changed me in a, in a good way. Uh, I think it, I think if I would have won, I think it might have added a little arrogance to me. But you know, thank God for that didn't happen. <laughs> and that was such a roller coaster as well because yeah. on that drive you were ahead. They came back on that drive. You had the ridiculous curse catch as well. And yeah, I was in the auxiliary press box, which is where you're out in the seats amongst the fans, and you've got it happening right in front of us uh-huh. and normally the press box is this very civilised yeah. people are working place I say when that catch happened everyone is out of their seat and losing it and then when obviously the play that we shall not be mentioned happened uh, you know, everyone again out of their seats and it was those moments of drama that really dragged people back into the game and I just I don't know how as a player you could just handle that emotional roller coaster when you're involved in it I just lose my mind I really was right so so okay so tell me this so you have a family right I, uh, I have a wife, yeah. Okay. So, um... Surpri- I know it's a surprise. Don't okay. be that shocked. So, so, <laughs> so, guess what? So, you so you, you lose your house. Your wife depends on you. What do you do? I, I go out and I make sure that I provide for my wife. That's oh, what actually, we do. Actually, she provides You lose me. the game and you keep working. You lose the game and you, and you don't cry over spilled milk. There's nothing you could do about it. So, things... You, you have to understand that things you can't control, you can't let worry you. And, you, and you, you try to be best at the things that you can control. So when the year comes next year, you look forward to that opportunity again, which I didn't get. And uh, I never got it. So that's just something I got to live with. That, I think not getting back and not getting that chance to do it again was worse than losing it. Because I always felt like I could push myself and I could push my team and we could push each other to get back to get another chance to make it better. So like you lost the house, um, you always think that I can work to get another house. But what if you don't ever get another house? That's how I feel. How much fun was the was the Denver Super Bowl though? Because you guys were the Denver Super Bowl. Was I mean, you, you're so ahead, so early. You know, you've won the game. I mean, it was it must have been pretty awesome. Just experience. That, that first the first play of the game. You remember when the snap yeah, went over yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Peyton yeah. Manning's head? That, that was, was the first Super Bowl I, I was at. Yeah, we we was like, okay, let's go, let's go. And then the nail in the coffin was when Percy ran that yeah. kickoff back. In the when second he ran half. that back. That's when I was like, wow, this is it. This is Just it. crown us now. Yeah, we just won the Super Bowl, man. That was huge. But but like I was telling Herm uh, in, in the car, but that, that was, I, I didn't feel like that was like the pinnacle of my happiness. So I think there's a lot of things that I want to do, and uh, that's another reason why I'm working with the Harvard Study Group uh, because we, we want to we better the life of the guys that, that are already retired, and we want to make sure the guys that are playing now are uh, – put in the best position to uh, live their best life after football. So what, talk, talk to us about the, the Harvard Study Group and, and what exactly that, that involves and, and what it is you're working towards. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm Herman Taylor. I'm a cardiologist and I work with the study. And the uh, first thing that's maybe different from some studies that um, you're familiar with is that I'm a heart doctor. Um, we're very interested in concussions and brain health, but we also look at the whole player, whole life. That's our thing. So we, we look at um, a lot of issues that players, and it's the players themselves who help us prioritize what we study. Um, we look at uh, issues that they are having after the game, sleep apnea, uh, heart problems, uh, chronic pain, even, even psychological issues. All of these things are being uh, investigated and data gathered by the best brains at Harvard and some collaborators uh, outside of Harvard, um, like Morehouse School of Medicine all of us working together for the benefit of the players. 
Uh, it's, uh, it's unique in that the players have a lot of influence right. on what we actually study. The key thing that I, and the message I want to get out to any players or wives of players, family players that, that may be listening, is that the more people that sign up for the study, the stronger the results will be, more conclusive, more definitive, and more helpful. So far, 3,800 players have enrolled, making it the largest study of former players ever. Wow. And, but we're looking to up that number as much as possible. And we really do want young players as well as the guys who've been out for a while. Uh, we've, we've got um, a good response from the older groups. We want to get an equally good response from the younger groups. Amazing stuff. But where can people find out more about it if they want to? Well, um, the best thing to do, probably the simplest thing, because people don't have pens of writing stuff down, just uh, go online, Google Harvard Football Player Study, and it'll take it to the website. It's a beautiful website, very informative. Perfect, Fantastic. perfect. Um, I need to ask you, Ricardo, about this game this weekend. And you talked about that first Super Bowl, and you talked about there was that very much that feeling, uh, certainly from the outside, and you can tell us it was the same from inside, of us versus them from that Seattle locker room. It seems like Pete Carroll really bred that into the team. No one believes in us. No. Now you've got, in the Philadelphia Eagles, home underdogs as the number one seed in back-to-back playoff games and winning them. The fans are wearing the dog masks. They really seem to be pushing that same kind of, that same kind of agenda. How big was that for you guys in terms of unity in your locker room? Huge, huge. Um, so our, our team is built up, built built by uh, a lot of undrafted guys and a lot of guys that uh, like Bruce Irvin has been through adversity and not your typical, you know, um, Stanford uh, Ivy League grads. You know, a lot. Some of them been to jail. Some of them been cut from different teams. So, Coach Carroll said, uh, "This is an opportunity that you guys been waiting on your whole life." He said. Uh, this is your chance to go out and prove the world wrong. He said, some of you guys weren't drafted. You weren't good enough. Some of you guys uh, didn't go to Division One schools. They said you weren't good enough. A lot of you guys, um, the other 31 teams looked over. You weren't good enough. But now you're in the Super Bowl, and you get a chance to face one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, Peyton Manning. What are you going to do? And he walked out of the room. That was it. That was it. He walked out. That's the pregame speech of the Super Bowl that we won. Awesome. Verbatim. It's a great speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, did, uh, is that the way that the Eagles, maybe not quite that succinct of a speech from Doug Peterson, but is it that idea of them being the underdogs that they can use that in order to inspire them? Because there's no doubt that, and we see it constantly, that teams almost, when they're playing ahead of the Patriots, mm-hmm. suddenly get fear in them because they know how good they are at coming back, how consistent they are, how steady they always are, and kind of go within themselves. And the, fan, the fans up. get fear, not players. The players just lose. They just, they just make mistakes. They're not afraid because it's, it's man on man. And the, the mentality to even make it to, to the NFL and the mentality to make it through the playoffs and the mentality to make it through the Super Bowl with that great group of guys, there's no fear because you feel like you've conquered so much from – training camp all the way to this point that anything is possible so even if we get down or whatever you've been down before during the year so there's no fear it's just you just have to do things right and the Patriots are really good at at being fundamentally sound we didn't get a chance to talk about this current Seahawks team which was an absolute atrocity considering that a 
they're coming to London next year yep. and B there is a lot of change happening right now so at some point Ricardo we're going to have to get your details we're going to have to get you on over the off season and talk mm-hmm. some Seahawks as for well sure. and keep talking and promoting the Harvard study as well for sure and I'd love to come out to London anytime you have me and the Harvard study we'll be glad to come out um, Ricardo really appreciate your time thank you so much Thanks, thank man. you go Hawks what a what a lovely guy and what a great question from Matthew Sherry Brilliant right stuff. Yeah, very oh, funny. great stuff. Very que- funny. Question of the week. Uh, Ricardo Lockett, Lockett, former Seahawks wide receiver. Now, uh, I've been I'm desperate to do this. The exodus at the Seattle Seahawks and the influx of defensive players at the LA Rams. Three Ooh. potentially coming in. What do you make of them, Will? Yeah, start off with not just an influx but there has been a bit of an exodus as well Robert Quinn has been traded away true that uh, he will uh, true that indeed uh, Robert Quinn is now a Miami Dolphin I don't think that's a good move for the Dolphins whisper it oh no hold on forget it Simon Clancy's not on anyway um, I really I, I'm a big Robert Quinn defender in general and I understand he's had his injury issues but last year he was fully fit and ready to go and really didn't make improvements if they keep Sue although that could be somebody who you see not kept around because of money reasons but they keep Sue and they keep Wake I mean ugh, that's it's not too pretty on that uh, it's not going to be it's a lot of age on that front um, and and a lot of declining play potentially. I, I think that's going to be a lot of flashy names with not a lot of uh, not a lot of production. Alec Ogletree uh, has gone to the Giants for a fourth and a sixth. I think that's a great signing from a Giants perspective. They only signed Ogletree to a massive new contract back yeah. in October. Um, but what it says to me is that this is now rebuilding this defense fully in Wade Phillips' image. I think. Wade Phillips coming in in the first year was almost a little bit experimental even though you know he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league over the past X number of years it was a different defence it was what was the fit going to be like with Sean McVay who hadn't head coached before and I think they had such success and such a huge step forward in 2017 that now they're kind of really handing over the keys to Wade Phillips and so they've brought in three Corners uh, traded for Marcus Peters uh, from Kansas City. Uh, they traded for though uh, they're picking up Sam Shields off free agency, I believe. Yep. Um, uh, and then Akib Talib, who yes, at thirty-two, but he will know Wade Phillips from his time in Denver. Um, and uh, yeah, playing on the other side from Marcus Peters, there is real potential for that to be the best set of corners in the NFL with that coordinator. The problem is, is that Aqib Talib is a pretty fiery personality. Marcus Peters, I mean, as um, as uh, Simon Clancy put it in our podcast group, the production from Marcus Peters over the last few years is utterly ridiculous. Like, genuinely, uh, the... I mean, I'm going to pull it up because he did send it to us. I'm going to try and find it if I can. And I'm going to try and stall while I do. But there's lots of him talking about Saquon Barkley's 40 time and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but you, you're maybe, right. His production, we'll has been, his production has been insane. And that's even when people realize, started to realize, and it took a bit while to do so, that he is one of the best players or one of the best cornerbacks. I can say this, one of the best, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I, I like what they're doing with Shields. Uh, it, 
of course will be a risk given his concussion issues he got a concussion uh, beginning of 2015 uh, that 2015-2016 season uh, I think in the second game and he was out for, with a concussion that entire season he's had to some time off but you've got to worry and this probably re- will reflect in his uh, rather uh, smaller contract mainly incentive space I should have thought that any hit to the head and you've got to worry for not only his career which we all thought was over but his health because if you suffer from concussions and we've seen uh, with all of the the the, the research into cte etc that it's a it's a huge issue and if a, a guy like sam shields who when he was with the green bay um often um was was a really really good corner despite uh, despite you not particularly rating him in some aspects but uh, I think that's a good signing for the Rams if it works if, if he, he think, stays think, concussion I, clear yeah. I think he's a great third choice corner I yeah. did get Peter's stats up in the end um, Marcus Peters 55 in three years 55 players on the ball picked off 19 passes forced five fumbles recovered five fumbles scored three touchdowns wow he's still got a year left on his cheap deal at three million odd dollars to trade him away at this point the guy must be so much worse than what we've heard uh, in rumours. He's not meant to be a great locker room guy. He's meant to be a real pain in the ass. So it's whether or not you trust that Sean McVeigh as a head coach and Wade Phillips between them are the right personalities to control that wilder side. And I think they probably are, if there's anyone, the right people to do it. Yeah, Wade Phillips, um, he, he will have garnered all of the respect um, from these younger guys you know he's in his 60s is he in his 70s now he's, he's an old guy but what he manages to do with defenses will will mean that that even the most unruly of defenders even the most unruly of players like Talib, like peters should respect him so i can't unless I can't something uh, unless something kind of really bad happens like picking up a flag and throwing it into into the stands but if something if something like that happens unless something like that happens uh, I could see Wade Phillips keeping a lid on it uh, off the field so that it, it manifests itself into great plays on the field like it often did for Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters indeed correct um so yeah, that's one to be keeping uh, an eye on. We'll talk more about that. We'll we'll we have to decide how we're going to do this off season. We're going to do division looks. Are we going to do? I think we get to the draft, and then the other side of the draft, we make some decisions on this. Should we talk about the um, the franchise tags? Because that's happened in the last two days. Those those have been signed and confirmed. Yeah, go on then. Okay, so players who did get tagged. Uh, Jarvis Landry, who I fully expect to get traded away. I think the Chicago Bears is a really interesting landing spot there. Um, the kind of exactly the sort of player that Trubisky needs, although they could do with a big guy on the outside, uh, as they, uh, they've, uh, I'm imagining Zach Miller won't be coming back to football this year after the knee, horrendous knee injury he suffered last year. Um, but the Dolphins are $7 million over the cap. That's with the new adjusted. 177 million cap they're still seven million dollars over it um so i think they need to move jarvis landry on and that's why i mentioned the idea of maybe moving sue on as well you've also got demarcus lawrence who was tagged with a view to a longer term deal lamarcus joiner the Rams' safety to just bolster that backfield even more so uh levy on bell who is expected will 
likely sit out until training camp. And again, they're looking to do a long-term deal there. And Ziggy Anza. Um, Bell's the first one I kind of want to mention and talk about. I have literally no issue with the Steelers doing making this move and paying him $14.5 million this year because Le'Veon Bell might be an absolute game-changing player. He's still the third most important player on that offense after Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. He'll be 27, 28 when that deal is finished, unless he signs a longer-term contract, around about the age that running backs start to depreciate. If you told me, well, they can get him for five years with a guaranteed paying him proper quarterback money, $60 million-odd dollars guaranteed, or they can pay him over two years, $26 million, and then he'll probably move on, I, I don't. I think the Steelers, have, by making Antonio Brown the priority and making sure he got that contract signed, that was the right move for me. If they can keep both longer term and make it work under the cap, great. But uh, I'm not a fan of even a player as good as Le'Veon Bell paying him sixty million guaranteed as a running back. I think it's nuts. Do you not think that? The franchise franchise tag is um, for the different positions is is kind of skewed a, a little wrongly. And from this, uh, we look at Jarvis. Well, Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver, but let's look at Ziggy Answer. Seventeen, just over seventeen million dollars for a player who, yeah, he has he's a he's a very good player, but does he influence the game more than Le'Veon Bell, who's due to get 14 and a half million who influences the game more is, is I mean, what i'm asking I mean, as individual players yes Le'Veon bell does but if you're asking me if i'm picking you know top five in the draft and there is a uh, a game-changing pass rusher there and a game-changing running back i'm taking the pass rusher every time i, I don't know pass, man. why do, pass rusher why do, um, do running backs go is, further then by far, a, pass rusher is by far a more important position in the NFL overall. I think you look at what people have managed to draft in the third round mm. over the last three years: Kareem Hunt, um, uh, Alvin Kamara. Uh, they're, they're like, yes, there have the been two a couple Green Bay of guys, guys, Jamal Williams, and uh... I mean, they weren't going to be on my list, but okay. Well, no, um, they, they made an impact. <laughs> but my point being that they are, they are, there are. There is potential to get game-changing running back play. I I know I'm using the draft as an example, but my point being is that, you know, had they let Le'Veon Bell go last year and picked up Alvin Kamara uh, ahead of uh, the New Orleans Saints, they'd look like absolute geniuses right now because, okay, he's not quite Le'Veon Bell yet, but you're paying a guy a couple of million dollars a year versus $16 million a year to play running back. Um you know, David Johnson was a third round guy even uh, players like Tevin Coleman was a third round guy who I'm a really big fan of in 2015 like there is there is potential to get real game changes at that position later in the draft and for cheaper in free agency that's why the difference is I think when it comes to the most important positions in the NFL um, I think the the key positions other than quarterback I think a pass rush and I think a cornerback those are the two. If you can have elite corner, elite pass rush, and an elite quarterback, you're well on your way. 
I don't think you need an elite running back to be able to make a difference. Now, Le'Veon Bell is a different level talent, but I don't think it's the same. Jordan Howard was a fifth round pick in 2016, blimey. Like, that's just a, a kind of example of why I don't think he's worth paying him so much money. What about the other things that Bell brings? You know, in the last five years or first five years in the NFL, he's averaged more yards from scrimmage than any other player of that position and wide receiver. So 129 yards from scrimmage. But, but this so year, why, but, so but, why, but, no, but why, why is it that what Bell wants is to be recognised for his uh, value to the team uh, and um, the amount of yards he produces and th- his pass catching ability. But you're already seeing a diminishment between from 2016 to 2017. In 2017, he had more touches, um, and I, I I can try and find the actual numbers for you. But he had more touches than he did in 2016. Uh, by say say he had 30 percent more touches, but his first downs uh, and uh, and his uh, impact plays only went up by 10 or 15 percent, which suggests that his per play quality went down. Um, he, I just think that you can do that. Like, I get that Le'Veon Bell is the very best at what he does, and he's really exciting to watch. And he offers something dynamic to your offense and does something totally different. But I, I, he is not somebody who is going to elevate your team for the next five years compared with a world-class pass rusher who could do. And I'm not saying Ziggy Anzer is that, but I'm saying that's why I think the franchise tag numbers uh, lean towards that. There are other positions which don't get respected under the franchise tag or respected under contract way worse than running back. Safety is a bit of a joke. Like, the amount that top-level safeties is paid, considering the way that we play in the NFL now with so much nickel and so much dime, is absolutely ridiculous. There was a really interesting conversation on uh, an MMQB podcast I did listen to where they talked about the tight end position and how top-end tight ends really aren't getting paid outside of kind of Rob Gronkowski's, outside of the top two or three. The, the next tier of guys really aren't getting paid like they deserve to be. And there was a coach in the NFL who went unnamed but kind of a a decent source who said the reason is is because there's probably only one third of teams who know how to effectively use tight ends in their offense like properly effectively know how to use them and that means that the good guys aren't considered as valuable because there's a lot of teams and a lot of coaches who are just like that's just the guy that plays the position we're going to put him there and we're going to let him you know we'll we'll run the plays we're meant to run but they don't do what you know they don't do interesting things then it's not like the chiefs do with travis kelsey and know how to get him making block blocks up field and know how to use him in the formation to create mismatches and the way that obviously the patriots do so brilliantly with rob gronkowski but also did with marty b last year who by the way is no longer a new england patriot yeah do one b after after that's really, what's really funny about that is a day after they failed to hijack the michael bennett trade they apparently offered more than philadelphia when the trade was pretty much done um and the seahawks and eagles put a a pause on it and then they got back together and conversed about it and ended up going with the original deal wow yeah well i thought that that shows everybody 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 else in the nfl hates the patriots as well (laughs) but what you say about the tight end is interesting it's just under 10 million for a franchise tag there offensive lineman yeah, just is got, just I just got the like, the numbers now yeah the offensive lineman's 14 million and wide receiver's just under 16 million now a tight end has to if he's a really good tight end has to be able to do both pass catching and blocking on the line and well, do you remember Jimmy Chronic- Graham tried to get the Saints to franchise tag him 
as a receiver and actually went to the NFL and tried to get them to arbitrate that situation yeah. um, because he felt like that was what his value was to the team. And you get, we, we see it in um, it, coming out of the draft, uh, you, you get the guys that are blocking tight ends or pass-catching tight ends. However, they're classed as the same thing where really they shouldn't really be because you'll get pass catching tight ends drafted higher and blocking tight ends potentially drafted lower or vice versa i I do think there needs to be a reconsideration of how the franchise tag works there's Uh, also no franchise tag on terms um, of there's no franchise tag on special teamers so you may get an exceptional special teamer there's a kicker punter franchise tag but a special teamer who happens to be like a no linebacker. one's going to franchise a special well, team. Well, you never know, like Nate Solder or someone. Not Nate what Solder. Nate? Not Nate Solder. Who's the guy? Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater. Um, I don't think anyone's going to do that. Look, I, I'm thinking more. For example, uh, offensive lineman is fourteen million dollars, but your interior line gets paid less than your tackles. There should be a separate exterior and interior lineman. Uh, linebacker is just under 15 million dollars but what you've got there is your stack linebackers your middle linebackers being included in with your four three outside linebackers so you know nigel bradham at the eagles is being lumped in with von miller those are going to be two very different contracts and even if nigel bradham gets a top five stack linebacker contract he's uh, he's going to be earning significantly less than a top five Four three outside linebacker, but they've yeah. included those together. So I think you need pass rusher, interior defensive line, linebacker. Those need to be three separate things. Yeah. And and you've got the guys that call the plays, like Alec Ogletree, or you know on the on defense, or you know the, the just bog standard guys. The guy that lines up next to Ogletree, who potentially uh, will earn the same amount of money when his his importance to the team isn't quite the same it's yeah it's um there do there does need to be things looked at in that respect a couple of guys that weren't tagged who we may be expected to be go on um carl fuller was had the transition tag put on him i have no idea why more teams don't use the transition tag it makes total total sense to me tell me what a transition tag is so essentially, he's been given a one-year deal. He's given a one-year transition tag deal, which is worth um, just shy of thirteen million dollars. I can't remember exactly how they work out the percentage versus what a corner would get on the franchise tag, but say it's seventy percent or eighty percent, whatever it is, um, that they get if they're on the transition tag. They also hit the free agency market and can go and negotiate with teams on a longer-term deal. If they go out and sign a long-term deal with another team, negating the transition tag. The Bears are then able to match the deal that they get from elsewhere. Now, this is particularly useful with a player like Carl Fuller because he had a brilliant rookie season, two very average seasons, and then a brilliant 2017. Like, 2016 was a real down year for him. And so you've got, in a rookie contract, two really good years, two quite down years, and they're sandwiched. So you don't really know what to pay a guy like that because he could easily step out onto the field next year and play like he did in 2016. So you give him a decent level corner money. I mean, $12, $13 million is nothing to sniff at for the year. And then if another team is willing to come in and say, no, we're going to pay him, uh, we're going to give him a five-year deal. It's going to be with 
uh, 40 million guaranteed and it's going to be a total 65 million dollar I've just completely plucked those numbers out of my arsehole sure, sure. but if the Bears choose if he signs that deal and the Bears choose to match it they have seven days to match it and he has to stay with the Bears if they choose to match the deal it's a, it, it makes so much sense to me for that sort of player who is literally transitioning, who you're not sure about. And I think there have been examples of guys you could have done that with. Alan Robinson, probably, yeah. would have been a, a yeah. really good example of someone you could have transitioned tagged. They've let him go and hit the free agency market, and I'd be stunned if he ends back up at the Jags now. The- I think somebody will pay him big, big money, and the Jags clearly weren't willing to off the back of the injury. Uh, what do you say big, big money is? Twelve million dollars a year, fifteen, fifteen million dollar a year. Yeah, I think. Um, what's the so for, what, the wide receiver tags about sixteen million? Yeah, I think somebody pays him forty five over three, something like that. Like maybe like six, maybe like uh, I don't know, maybe like seventy over four with forty million guaranteed. That sort of thing. Like somebody's going to pay him do really good money. I think. So the, the them not tagging. Alan Robinson and the fact that we think that he'll go elsewhere does that mean the Jags are looking at wide receivers in this upcoming draft uh, maybe but it's not a great wide receiver draft from what I understand from those people who know more than I do mm. um, yeah I, I, I kind of get the impression that uh, I, I think that they, they, they'll bring Alan Hearns back I would have thought I think they really like the play that they got out of the younger guys. Um, Marquis uh, Lee being one. Roster. Well, Marquis Lee is is due up a contract this year, but I think he'd be able to be able to brought back a lot cheaper, and so that's why they've kind of made that decision. Is that he's the guy for them to bring back, even though he obviously hasn't been as productive over over the years. But I'm thinking guys uh, like the play they got out of Didi Westbrook down the stretch. Yes, who are, true. Who, came out in like the fourth round last year and then was really impressive um i I think they're they're kind of really happy with that level of play and i think they'll maybe go and make an aggressive move for a decent wide receiver in free agency but actually the jags in terms of their cap space i think with the interesting thing with the jags they have got a decent amount of cap space got about 35 million but they have got players they still need to re-sign on their own team they still need to re-sign probably Marquis Lee now they're not re-signing uh, Alan Robinson uh, they, I think they'll probably bring Aaron Colvin back I think they really like him as a third choice corner uh, and he worked really well with Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye so that'll be a bit more money of that gone um, Patrick Amame came in and did well on the line last year I'd be surprised if they didn't bring him back on a reasonably team friendly deal but already then you're starting to run out of cap space um, it's it, and I think they then go and draft a quarterback. I think that's the one thing that they do do this off season that we will probably talk about in more depth because the guys on our on the pod group absolutely hated the Blake Bortles deal. I don't understand why. I don't understand why people hate that deal. I'm so um, I'm in the middle. I think it's a it, bit meh. You know, it, it is what it is. They they needed it, they needed the insurance of having a guy in there who got them to the got them to a championship game, but it's not mega money so that they can then if if get like draft someone or, or pick someone up off a free agent where they're drafting they're not going to be able to get unless they go and throw away a lot of capital over the coming years they're not going to be able to get one of the top three guys right so they're not going to get a plug and play guy and anyway josh allen probably isn't a plug and play guy anyway so 
they needed somebody there who's a relative veteran who can do a good job. Down the last eight to ten games of the season, Blake Bortles had two bad games and four or five really good games, yeah. including the playoffs. There is the concern that in that Patriots game, they took the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands when he played so well, and that shows maybe a lack of trust from the coaches. That does concern me. But this deal is the Mike Glennon deal at the Bears. This deal is a its a bit more money. its I think it's about six, seven million more in guarantees, and it's... Uh, and it's a bit more in overall contract. But really, it's like a one-year $18 million deal. They can cut bait after one year, and they really don't lose that much money, and they move on. So if they draft a quarterback and it's someone they really like and they turn it into a true competition, then it doesn't matter. People wanted to slate this deal the moment. People wanted to really dig in on it because it's ha-ha-ha-ha. This guy who we've made a real joke of over the last few years, and they're actually bothering to bring him back. How ridiculous. They really should have gone in hard on Kirk Cousins. They couldn't afford to match the sort of money that the Vikings, that the Jets, that the Broncos were going to offer Kirk Cousins. And maybe they could have convinced Cousins in on the basis that they're a team on the verge of winning, just like the Vikings are going to probably be the team who do get Cousins in the end. But I don't think they could have afforded to have done that and kept the defensive talent around they've got. And I think they're a better team with an average quarterback and that defense that they had last year, rather than a slightly above average quarterback. And let's be honest here, Kirk Cousins really has got this free agency shine on him right now. People are talking about him like he's a top 10 guy. And I have been one of Kirk Cousins' biggest defenders. But Kirk Cousins is the 15th best quarterback in the NFL on any average week. Blake Portals has proven over the last 8 to 10 games to be the 19th, 20th best quarterback. Do you really want to pay somebody five, six times the guaranteed money so that you can move up four or five spots in terms of the quality of quarterback. Kirk Cousins has never done it in a big game. Blake Balls actually has. Are you off that soapbox, buddy? Yeah, that Yay! was one of the things. That was that's great. One of, that's one of the things that I could have easily got off my chest during the last five weeks and didn't. So I'm glad we got there eventually. Well done, Look, I- this will be. It's the first in the new feature of Will Gavin's soapbox. <laughs> there'll yeah, be more maybe. Jimmy G Will Gavin on Jimmy G's contract oh coming up don't. next <laughs> not this show the next show <laughs> there's a load of them Will Gavin on Jerry Jones <laughs> oh but I know do you know what Will Gavin on Jerry Jones fair play he just he just stumped up and paid the two million dollars it was it was absolutely the right thing to do after that farcical situation. Well, it's wallet to... change for him, isn't it? It's just what's left in his wallet. There you go, have that. Yeah, and I think he did absolutely the right thing. It nixed the conversation in the bird. It moved everything on. God, it really Great. did. It really did. Uh, Willie, we could probably talk for another 48 minutes, but we can't. Because I've, you... got, I've got to go and get some lunch, and I'm about right. to go to work. But, but uh, we'll be back next week, early next week, right? Are we gonna? Are we gonna give them? Should we? Hold, should we? Should we? After promising it at the top of the podcast, hold back until we've got some Chargers news to talk about, and then bring the Melvin Ingram because this podcast has probably been long enough as it is. I think so. I think so. For, yeah. for two people that uh, have had basically had the feet up. Um, yeah, we've been on the beach. Uh, yeah, we're like yeah, we, we have been stoked the moment that they hit forty points. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we we have been we have definitely been that. That's a great analogy. Bringing it back to football, uh, yeah. Okay, mate. Well, this has been great. I've really I've really missed talking football with you, even though we yeah. talked football 
on your radio show the other day. But even the, apart from that, I've really missed talking football with you. Yeah, but that was just us winding up Greg Rosenthal and him calling me a renaissance man, which uh, I really need to listen back to that and make a decision over whether I'm going to change my Twitter handle. Not handle, but bio. He's trying to encourage me to do it. Uh, okay, do whatever you think best. <laughs> uh, watch me on Twitch tomorrow. Uh, if you're thinking about going out to the States this year, upcoming season... Oh, I, I did have a good chat with Ben on the phone the other day to talk about our trip for this upcoming year. We've got a few different ideas in mind. The The number one top-ranked idea is the idea of doing a kind of Midwest, Green Bay, maybe Minnesota, Chicago, getting down into Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Ohio, maybe do the Hall of Fame. And there's so many great college teams down that run, whether we go to Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, like oh, it, like there's so much in that region that that's probably the number one choice and where we're most likely to end up. But there's also the East Coast going, New York, Philly, stuff like that. There's also the, the Pacific Northwest going to Seattle. Uh, we might even hop the border and go to a CFL game, a BC Lions game, heading down. There's loads of good college teams up there, Oregon, etc. And then heading down to the Bay, uh, going to Oakland, going to San Francisco. There's a few different ideas pinging around, but I think that Midwestern one is likely what will settle on for the tour this coming year. We're going to aim to keep it the same sort of prices this year as well. So, um, yeah, start saving Dem pennies and we'll uh, hopefully be announcing it in the not too distant future because the schedule is going to be coming out in like six weeks time when the draft happens oh my god so exciting so exciting never stops it never stops never stops well it stopped for us for five five weeks yeah. apart from when we're really lazy for five weeks no, I, i've been thinking about it we basically we uh we tripled our amount of work that we had to do with nfl over the last season because of because of actual work so i think we deserve the break great work mate thanks buddy right go on take uh, us any, out any final thoughts uh, I saw three billboards outside of Ebbing great movie what a film what a great film movie. oh my god what a great movie everyone I implore you before it uh, leaves the cinemas go and watch it it's a wonderful movie brilliantly told great movie go and watch it guys so last night me and Sarah were meant to go and see I, because that's the only one of the kind of Oscar films I've not seen yet uh, but she got held up at work, so I was like waiting at the cinema for her, and then I ended up uh, just watching something on Netflix on my phone and just sitting in a popular coffee chain with my feet up. Um, so by the time she got there, it was too late to really go in, even with the consideration of the ads and stuff. So we went to see Game Night instead. Oh, God. Any good? It was great. Really? I Like, throw away trashy silliness, but considering it came from the creators of horrible bosses which i hated and uh there was another film that i saw that i really couldn't stand two quite bad of those bawdy laddie comedies and some of them can be really good game night was genuinely funny uh, jesse plemons from friday night lights is brilliant which one's he uh um uh begins with an l uh landry landry well the guy um, the funny looking guy yeah he he plays a big the, head he's got a massive head 
he plays the next door neighbor who is the ex husband of one of their friends but he ended up keeping the house and he wants to be invited around to game night but never gets invited around and he keeps just like popping up in random situations just like really awkwardly and never cracks a smile and always talks the same and it's this is really understated really funny comedic performance uh, and it's got Chandler Riggs in it uh, the coach from Friday Night Lights as well so a little Friday Night Lights reunion uh, yeah it was really funny I laughed a lot All right, I, I, re- I was going to swerve it it's but like I'm a solid. It's like a solid slash high end three star movie. Right. It's not going to change your life, but if you want an hour and a half of proper entertainment, I was genuinely surprised by it. All right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. But now I'm gonna go and have to get something to eat. I'm starving. Yeah, haven't eaten today. I, haven't eaten. We dragged today. that right out. Right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This has been the Grind Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you yes you in the game. Bye. Ciao.